Welcome to the Asset Revolution Podcast, where each week, your hosts from Arbor Digital provide educational opportunities for financial advisors and individual investors to gain knowledge in this emerging powerhouse that is digital asset investing. The Asset Revolution Podcast is your connection to the future of digital assets and an opportunity for anyone to get off zero. Let's dive in. We are financial advisors. However, we are not your financial advisor. Unless you're under contract with or actively speaking with Arbor Capital Management or Arbor Digital, a division of Arbor Capital Management. This podcast is just that, a podcast. It is not financial, legal, or tax advice. If you have individual questions, please reach out. All right. Well, Griff, it's nice to see you. I'm excited for our conversation today. Um, But real quick, before we dive into what we're going to do, please take a a few minutes to tell our audience uh, who you are and who you work for and kind of what you guys do. Sure thing. So thanks for having me on, Mark. Uh, My name is Griffin Knight. Uh, I'm head of product at Blockchange. Um, And my background is in finance technology. So prior to working with Blockchange, um, I was a management consultant for firms in the alternative investment space. Uh, So largely building uh, and implementing financial models for private equity funds, hedge funds, VCs, Um, But kind of throughout that time, uh, I I developed the crypto bug. Um, Mm -hmm. Really, that was in late 2016. I got really interested in it um, for a variety of reasons. Um, But I think to me, it was just very intellectually stimulating with how um, many disciplines are required to fully understand this space from computer science to mathematics, uh, networking, economics, psychology, uh, philosophy even. Um, and to me, that was that was really really interesting. Um, so so stayed pretty in tune with it um, throughout my my time as as a management consultant. Yeah. Uh, and then around 2019, uh, I met Dan, uh, the CEO, Dan Air, the CEO of, of Blockchain, uh, and he showed me what what they were doing. Um, and immediately, I I I had to get involved and 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 joined in, in I think June of 2019. Wow. Um, and yeah, I mean, as far as a background on, on blockchain, so blockchain is a platform that enables um, advisors and, and SMAs uh, to scale a practice, um, leveraging the infrastructure of existing cryptocurrency exchanges, uh, which in the end allows um, end clients to gain direct exposure uh, to crypto assets uh, while being managed by a professional asset manager. Um, and, and, and the background of, of blockchain is actually very interesting. Um, and I could dive into that briefly. So it originally started off as a mining company. Um, so the, the two co-founders, uh, Dan and, uh, Dan Aaron and, and Dan Rothrock, um, got into the space and, and started mining. And, and as they were mining, um, they were accumulating. And when was that? That was in 2017. Okay. Yeah. So they started mining in 2017. Um, they bought GPUs, ASICs, uh, and they were accumulating a, a wide variety of, of tokens. And the challenge that they had was trying to be able to sell these different tokens. And of course, every exchange uh, offered different ones. Uh, so they had to connect to a large number of exchanges. And so what they had built was uh, something that would, a, a trading algorithm that would uh, locate the assets on the different exchanges, 
and then execute those trades and, and, and trade them back and forth. Um, and they, they realized soon after that, that, you know, mining wasn't, wasn't really something that uh, they were going to be able to do very well in the sense that they didn't have access to cheap enough electricity. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really just an industrial um, uh, business at this point. So they pivoted to um, taking that, that, that algorithm and the, the, the trade connectivity piece of their, of their software and then layering on top an um, asset management layer to it. Uh, so that end users, uh, they could solve the issue for end users, which I'm sure you know about. This was this was more of an issue in 2017, but you needed like six or seven exchanges if you wanted to mm-hmm. actually accumulate the, all of the the assets that you wanted to. So they originally then pivoted to a retail product, and that was around the time that I joined. Uh, but over the months and uh, of, of developing that, we realized that the tools that we were building were a little bit too sophisticated for the average retail user. Sure. Um, the, the user base that that could leverage what we were building, mm-hmm. it was just, it wasn't big enough and, and the economics didn't, didn't make sense. So around, I'd say this was probably late 2019, um, we realized and, and through a, a long process of, of market research was that these tools would work perfectly for uh, investment advisors and, and SMAs. And so we, we then, took the product in that direction mm-hmm. um, and, have, and have been leveraging that ever since and went live with the platform in, in, uh, at the end of 2020. Um, yeah. And yeah, and here we are. Wow. I mean, that's such an interesting story to hear about, not just how your personal journey into the space, um, but also block changes. And, and I guess hitting on your personal journey, um, it's really interesting. And one thing we, I, I think I find fascinating is that you have a, a finance background uh, and you spent a lot of time but you spend it in a particular space within finance, and that's a you know um, VC, uh, private equity, and, and those places that you have your experience at. Which, especially when you start going across the spectrum of digital assets, um, you find more elements of those uh, from those areas as opposed to when people just want to talk about Bitcoin. Right. Um, so uh, I really love that you have that aspect. But now you also have that that tech aspect as well. Where, you know the process of mining or understanding the underpinnings of these assets from a technology perspective, which is yep. really important. And I think that's been that fusion for financial advisors. That's been really hard, right? You know, as financial advisors, we, we like cash flows. We like things we can model. We love our numbers, right? And when we can do those things and do our projections and, and do things like BAR uh, modeling, um, we can give some type of certainty or create some type of val- valuing uh, systems to help us make decisions, right? Um, so I think you combining the tech aspect with the, also the finance background, I think was, was for us, it really helped us understand that from a team aspect, when we were doing our due diligence, that was, uh, that was important to us, not just to have the people from the financial side, but also people really understood the tech. Um, and that kind of goes into blockchain's story, right? I love how you guys started off as this algo tech driven, um, retail focused, uh, solution realized how sophisticated it was and said, Hey, um, this actually would be really beneficial for financial advisors. And I, and I think that maybe that finance background to make that connection uh, was really important. So I love that story. Um, and I think it actually is a, is a really good uh, segue into kind of what we want to talk about today, which I think doesn't get talked about enough, especially when it comes to um, value, valuating the different options that financial advisors have to not just Bitcoin or Ethereum, but the whole spectrum of, of digital assets. Um, 
And uh, so for today, like, uh, I would love to dive into kind of, you know, what the advisor adoption spectrum is, right? And how we approach that, but also the inefficiency of markets and really what it means to have direct exposure in markets to, in markets that operate 365, 24 seven. And, you know, there are no weekends, there are no, you know, holidays. Um, So I I can't wait to dive into that. So let's maybe start off like, um, given that you guys actually have, how many advisors do you guys have on your platform now? We have, we have over 30 now. Over 30 advisors. Wow. So, so talk to us, let's dive into the advisor spectrum because that's what kind of we dubbed it to. And, and, you know, we were one of the first ones to come on uh, your platform and, uh, you know, start offering this, not just for our own clients, but to other advisors as well. Um, One thing we kind of dubbed was like the advisor adoption spectrum. So we take them through this, this kind of pathway into where, and we help advisors really figure out where they are first. And that's really what drives the conversations we have. So I'd love to hear like, what's been your guys' experience right now? Like, how do you guys determine where advisors are on that spectrum? Yeah, so just like in the traditional world, um, in crypto, there's a variety of ways for advisors to get their clients' exposure to crypto. Um, Largely right now, uh, or at least before uh, we launched, there was the main way to do so. Well, there were two ways. One, they could just tell their, um, you know, verbally advise their clients to go buy crypto at, a, at an exchange, um, which which obviously has its has its issues, um, or buy them GBTC or or one of those equivalent products. Now, you know, GBTC and, and the investment trusts, um, the Grayscale Investment Trust, they have benefits in that they're easy. Um, they're it's it's right on on the existing platform, but. Um, the downside is 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 clear in that a there's not very many assets that are offered. Um, there are there are outside risks associated just given the premiums and discounts that can fluctuate very very widely. Um, and so what we wanted to provide was was an extra option for those advisors, which was um, the SMA route. So as far as the, I guess the adoption cycle and what we see with advisors is, is the first is you have advisors that um, I'll call them the no coiners. Uh, and this isn't mm-hmm. to say that they are, uh, you know, against crypto, um, but they could be for a variety of reasons, not ready to, to make the leap. Um, one may be that they are concerned about regulatory uncertainty uh, or more, more likely is they just don't understand it uh, and don't feel that, um, you know, they want to take the, I guess you could say the career risk of, of bringing their clients into that. Now, it's not to say that they're going to be like that in perpetuity, um, but I think a lot of them, as as this becomes more mainstream, will eventually hop on board. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for, for right now, I mean, there's a lot of times where there there's a lot of advisors that are just not interested. Um, yeah. So that that that's one group, and and at first we were trying to spend a lot of our time convincing those advisors of why they shouldn't <laughs> be thinking like that, but. Uh, over time, we realized there's there's a lot of there's plenty of advisors not in that group, and 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 those are the ones that that we're focusing on on now. Now, the second group is I'll say the Bitcoin only group, uh, and these are 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 the advisors. Well, actually, who- real quick, so I don't mean to interrupt, but let's let's yeah. uh, let me uh, kind of talk a little bit about too because I love that how you delineate that first group, right? The no coiners, right? And mm-hmm. you know we hear that a lot in just retail, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. All your people who are just they they just don't believe it, don't care about it. It's it's very similar, right? And I think the reason why by a lot of, a lot of advisors may just be no pointers. And I think you you mentioned taking the leap, 
And right. it's not just taking the leap in terms of allocating or educating. It's uh, it's that intellectual curiosity. Um, right. If your curiosity intellectually isn't piqued by digital assets, then it's harder to take the leap. So um, rather, it's it's very hard to convince them, right? If you just, if right. that's the way we approach it. But it's interesting because we we find the same thing. So when we hop on advisor calls, um, a lot of times, yeah, the advisors are just taking their first little baby steps and, and we're their first call because, you know, obviously like when you do a, a, just a, a, a Google search or when you do your initial searching, like we come up because we're, we're one of the few, as I'm sure the other firms experience as well um, that are on your, your platform. And, and I know there's a couple other competitors now that also have um, SMA offers, but um, I know that we probably all experience the same thing. These, these no coiners, the first thing we have to actually get them on is you have to be intellectually curious about the space and take that leap intellectually first. And you won't, you shouldn't move further along the adoption curve until you're ready to do that. So right. a lot of times we talk to advisors and we actually tell them you're very far away from the actual allocation piece and the investment piece. Um, here's how we can help you. It just being curious and opening up your minds to this space and where to go um, to where you can just get a disciplined, no hype uh, place to, to start intellectually diving into this space. So I love the way you did that first one. Um, but uh, I just wanted to yeah. start there. Yeah. One I'd add to that too, is like, I, I think some of these, the folks in this camp feel like they need to fully understand everything before they can get their, their clients into it. Right. So, but that it's a somewhat daunting task, right? They, they might start trying to dive in and now all of a sudden they're, they're needed in Merkle trees and, and hash <laughs> algorithms, but they don't, necessarily need to fully understand everything about crypto to get their clients involved mm -hmm. right that that is the whole point of of hiring an sma or, or an expert asset manager to do it for you yep. um i mean i think it's important that they understand enough uh, specifically around the economics and, and potentially on on the risk reward profile that that's there but yeah i, I don't think it's necessary for these these advisors to have to, you know to have a full understanding of, of all of these crypto assets. And I think that mm -hmm. is, is a disconnect that, that we see sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where partnerships are very, very important, right? You can, you can mitigate that by your knowledge gap that you have as an advisor from a tech standpoint, that's where partnerships with people who do have that knowledge is very, very important. And that's how we approach it at Arbor Digital, right? Because again, we're just like everyone else from the advisor side, like we come from traditional finance, right? Like, yes, we are intellectually curious and we believe, and we have so, certain belief systems around it, but that's that's not a case for investment, right? We need partners with the knowledge, with the tech knowledge, to help us also um, uh, elevate um, our thesis and and why it would make sense to to allocate. But yeah, totally with you there. Um, but yeah, let's let's keep going across. What are the other groups that you guys see? Yeah. So the next one is is the Bitcoin only group. Um, and so these these folks that we've what we've found is they're very bought into the digital gold narrative. Um, mm -hmm. that, that has stuck with them, the scarcity. Um, these are, these are um, people who are probably already bought into that thesis through precious metals. Um, mm -hmm. And we see that, that question there, but it's sort of the same thing, right? It's, it's basically take the known corner, but, but they're, you know, they're into to Bitcoin and hard money. Um, and and those, those ones as well, it's like, you know, it's really the same thing as the no coiner, right? Is they may not be interested in assets outside of Bitcoin for the same reasons, lack of understanding, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. And, and, and in, in the same way, they, they may eventually come around or they may just be kind of sticking to their guns um, in that sense. 
Um, now, I guess the, the group after that is the ones who, they're advisors who are, are fully bought in. Uh, they're very interested in crypto uh, and they want to do it themselves. And you know, these are either smaller firms, uh, usually the firms have leadership where um, the, the leadership is into crypto. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and these are- Sounds familiar. Know, <laughs> well, I, the, the interesting with this is, uh, you know, sometimes these folks either, they may be, um, they may not understand the effort that it's going to require to manage this asset class full time, mm-hmm. right? And, and that sort of goes into to some of what we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, but yeah, we, we find and we offer solutions for these for these advisors. And we sometimes see, you know, they have a small subset of clients that they want to get in. They have some portfolio set in mind that they want to um, allocate their clients into. Uh, and, and, and that works. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they don't they, usually it's buy and hold because they realize quickly that how quickly this market moves and how, how on top of it you need to be. Um, but I'd say this is probably the smallest group. Um, but yeah, and it sort of leads into the final group, which is where I think the largest number at this point of, of advisors that we see are and that we're targeting is that advisors who are bought in, bought into crypto, um, and they understand it enough to want to get their, their clients allocated, uh, but they want to outsource it to a professional, right? Mm-hmm. They, they understand um, the amount of effort that it's going to take, um, but they, they, they understand the potential and, and they, they think it's valuable uh, mm-hmm. to get their clients into it. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and those those that's where in the end we want everyone to get to. Um, yeah. I think it's 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 the most efficient way. Yeah. Well, and I love too the the way that you you all are set up it too is no matter where you are, no matter which group you you identify with. So if you're listening to this and you think to yourself, well, I'm in that group. Um, no matter where you're at, no matter which group, um, you can go on to a platform like Blockchain and and go out and check it out, right? Um, and there's no commitment, right? There's no, you don't have to pay a yearly annual fee right up front. If you want to just say, Hey, like, let me, let me see what, what actually is required to get set up and actually start if we were to do it. Right. Yeah. You can actually do take that design thinking path and do that. Right. Yeah. It's extremely easy. I mean, you could just set it up, you know, there's no, no setup fee. There's just a little bit of paperwork and and you could just onboard yourself um, and and see how it works like that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very, very simple to, to, to get started on it. Yeah, I love it. And I think uh, just to, before we dive into, because I think this is a great way to, to kind of transition to kind of the inefficiency of markets and really the the um, the opportunity right now for active management within this space, because markets are inefficient. This isn't like trading traditional stock markets right now or bond markets or, or any mature market for that matter, um, is really the value, right, of an SMA or of uh, a direct exposure SMA as opposed to holding um, some other fund structure or, um, you know, private placement, you know, like GBTC or uh, let's call it the, the Bitwise Tanner ETF. And what we, the way we, and I think I heard this from somebody else uh, and I forget who, and I apologize, whoever said this, please reach out to me. Let me know. I missed you. Um, it's like putting training wheels on a Ferrari, like crypto markets are three, six, like we mentioned earlier, uh, 24, seven, 365. There's no holidays. There's no weekends off. Like they go, Right. And which is really cool. It's it's an evolution, and it's only a matter of time. Like for everyone in this space, like it's been kind of like that that uh, pathway where we see like okay, there's there's aftermarket trading, there's pre market trading, there's you know it's it's going to a place where you're gonna be able to trade 
And crypto is only going to, and that's where I'm really fascinated because I think crypto is actually going to accelerate the adoption that everyone, every investor, I think 10 years from now will be able to trade 365, 24, seven, all assets across everything. Yep. Um, like, I think that's where it's going. And this is a great way to start getting prepared for that. Right. Totally. Um, but anyway, so, so the value I feel like that doesn't get talked about is, yeah. How do you set up a firm? How do you, if you're going to allocate and right now, right now, the, the consensus is one to 5%, right. Uh, of someone's total net worth. Right. Like, so if you decide to go direct exposure, you're going to operate on new rails, right? How do you set your firm up for that, right? What does it mean from a compliance standpoint, a regulatory standpoint, right? You have to put processes in place that are different than what you normally do. So, um, and then also, how are you going to stay up on markets that never sleep, right? Um, you never know. And that's where it's really cool. We, we look at something very closely all the time, which is, you know, when does all the trading happen? We could see that. Uh, close to half the trading that happens in markets happens in off hours from, from the US or, or working hours that we like to have, right? Yeah. So it, it's interesting, but a lot of the value is, a, is tied around that, not just, hey, here's a portfolio of digital assets, but really, hey, we're like an all-in-one solution uh, for staying on top of the markets, trading the markets, and being able to dollar cost average in and be there, right? And, you know, so are you guys gonna, gonna set up uh, a rotation of, of portfolio managers to work on the weekends and, and all throughout the night? I don't know. Like, yeah. uh, you know, that's something to think about, but, um, but yeah, I'm sure you guys hear a lot of the time, like uh, kind of things like that. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I definitely see it uh, on our end um, of folks that like, and it's sort of like I said before, right. Like, like they come in pretty gung ho and then are a little bit overwhelmed by like how much effort is is required to to do this in 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 the proper way um but we mm -hmm. also have a lot of advisors who are who are taking those steps like yourself yeah um to to really yeah take the initiative on on yeah research yeah. constant monitoring all of that stuff yeah yeah and that's one of the reasons why we wanted this solution like we wanted this solution so arbor capital um you know our traditional ria firm you know created this subdivision if we we're going to dive into digital assets um we saw it as a risk as if we hold an investment vehicle like GBTC, but then on Saturday morning, everything starts tanking. And then I can't do anything for my clients until Monday morning. That's a risk if you're going to yeah. allocate in whatever shape or form, right? So we saw the best way that we can mitigate that was to get a direct exposure and then create a team, Arbor Digital, that will be solely focused on that. Because I, if you're really going to take your fiduciary responsibility seriously, you have to do things like that. And that's how you have to think. And a lot of times, a lot of advisors miss that, which makes us only more uh, bought into and what the value, that's the value that we provide as SMA providers, not just us at Arbor Digital, but anybody, any, any, anyone on your list of 30 advisors, that's truly a value. And that can't totally. be understated. Um so, oh man, yeah, I, I hope if you're listening to this, like it, it's opening your mind up a little bit, but let's, uh, Griff, let's start talking now about those inefficient markets and kind of dive deeper there. So, so just, just tell us like from your perspective, like inefficiency in markets, like what does that even mean? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think what I think about it is in the traditional markets, they are extremely efficient, right? So the efficient market hypothesis, of course, is that all available information, um, is integrated into the the given prices at a given time. Now, of course, this is sort of like a philosophical um, theory, and I, I don't think you ever can get to to truly efficient markets. But in general, the traditional world has enough eyeballs 
uh, and has had hundred a hundred years of 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 um, methodology to to determine value and understand how how certain equities should be valued. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think another important trend that you've seen in in uh, the traditional world is that towards passive investing, mm-hmm. um, which is you know started off uh, the the first time at least I heard about it uh, was in. Well, not heard about it, but I think got the ball rolling was the book uh, Random Walk Down Wall Street, which is really ahead of its time in the sense that was written in 1973 mm-hmm. and really kind of slammed the, the technical analysis and, and, and really focused on, on passive. And then you had the famous um, Buffett bet with the hedge fund managers, oh, uh, where yeah. he basically bet them a million dollars that they would not be able, after fees, not be able to outperform the S&P uh, over 10 years. And, and, and he was right. Um, and, and so I think what year was that? Was that, that was like back in like 08 or 09 or something, right? Yeah, it was, yeah. it was in the yeah early two thousands. Yep. Um, and I think that's just the natural progression of a market that, and, and that wasn't true 60 years ago. Right. But as more information comes into these markets and people understand them better, the, the ability to generate alpha, um, goes diminishes. Mm-hmm. Um, now let's, you know, turning to crypto. Uh, outside of the traditional benefits of of having an SMA, uh, you know, tax benefit, customized portfolio, mm-hmm. you also get active management. And crypto has, in my opinion, a lot of room to generate alpha through um, active management that almost would get laughed at in the traditional world. Absolutely, I would even wager to say it's easier alpha as well. Like the. And I can dive into there, but yeah, we totally yeah. see it. Yeah, and I, I think it's the other thing, like to, to kind of go on that is it's not necessarily picking winners; it's not picking losers. And mm-hmm. I think that's that's one that is is easier in crypto land, um, you know. And I don't want to um, you know just say specific cryptos, but in my opinion, that there are a lot of crypto assets that would be included in a top ten or a top twenty passive fund that to me have a very, very, very low probability of success for a mm-hmm. variety of reasons. Um, and so just being able to, to remove those specific assets over yeah. the long run um, would generate much more alpha than you would through a passive, um, passive exposure. Um, now, I think in addition to that, you have just as far as why these inefficiencies exist, it's people don't understand um, and no one really understands how a lot of these um, are going to sp- specific tokens are going to accrue value. Now, Bitcoin, it's 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 pretty straightforward, just given that its its value accrual is similar to that of gold. Um, but just how do you value some of these? Right, they're not mm-hmm. like an equity, um, and I think just the the inability to value them, and 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 really the inability of the market to take to to price news. I think the uh, the China ban was a good example where or the China mining ban to me was a good example where yeah. that hit and the prices went down. But to me, that was actually positive, right? So, so the fact that you can have news come out mm-hmm. and half the people think it's positive and half the think it's negative, like that's, that is a market inefficiency right there, right? And that alone yeah. gives the ability to generate alpha. Yeah, and that speaks to also just like who, who are trading these markets, like who, who comprises the market right now, right? And it's no secret. And this is where everyone knows it. It's mostly made up of retail investors, right? Like right. the whole bull case, bull case for 
from 2017 now for when it when it when it crashed before was institutional adoption, especially in 2020 after you know Paul Tudor Jones and came out with his um, with his paper on the Great Inflation. Um, you know that's where inflation's really started to look up, and then you have you know, Michael Saylor, MicroStrategy, all, all, you know, all those actors, you know, those people, those really early adopters who really saw this, um, you know, they're still the, the minority, right? Like, and so that's where, yeah, when you have a, a marketplace that's really still highly driven by retail, there are going to be a lot of inefficiencies. And I think, especially from an information standpoint, the way, not even the, not even just the information itself, the way people discern that information, right. speaking to what you said, you know, we saw it as positive. Yeah. Cause if you, if you're like us and we're in the space and we have a fundamental understanding of the tech of blockchain technology and the impact that it, that it can have. Um, and you can separate the blockchain from the asset and understand how they re they behave with each other. Then when you see something like an authoritarian, an authoritarian state like China banning that you see that great, wonderful, more innovation will now be unlocked and more, uh, will be more opportunity will be given to other places. Um, and diversification is good. We don't want one geographic region having so much control uh, and so much of the investor base, right? So um, there are so many different reasons you could dive into why a lot of people saw that was like, great. And then for us as active managers, we now, we can, ha we have our buy zones and that really helped us, you know, we're like, great. And, you know, we, we based a lot of, so a lot of great, you know, for us, they've worked out and we've made some good decisions with our management, but um, yeah, it's just, that's where it's, you can play off those inefficiencies right now in a way that you won't be able to play off them, especially maybe even in five years. Like I think these markets move so fast that the opportunity set actually will not nearly be as long as when in traditional markets, when you had a new asset class, you know, um, you know, back in the seventies and eighties, like jump bonds or something like that, when they came right. in, like though for those asset classes to become more efficient and more adoption and for it not as easy to generate that alpha um, or like emerging emerging markets, right? Um, right. Those were longer, longer timeframes. Crypto, I think that's going to go much faster. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. Um, yeah. And I mean, just like, like you said, it's, it's, and as more of these professional managers like yourselves come in, the markets will get more efficient, right? Not just mm -hmm. as they as they should, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I've seen the same thing, and it, there's so many times where it's head scratching moves you see after specific information, um, yeah. and it just shows we we have a ways to go. But again, hey, that's 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 alpha that could be generated right there. Yeah. So, is there anything else you guys see in terms of like inefficiencies besides just uh, information um, uh, inefficiencies and in, in adoption? What, what else are you guys seeing? Yeah, so I think the other one um, would be disclosure or, or, well, let's start with technical, right? So I think this is where it's important for a professional manager to understand the technical side, right? Because there are there are risks associated with protocols um, that are non-existent in the traditional world that you would that you need to understand um, these assets at a very uh, low level. Uh, mm -hmm. to understand these risks, right? So Contract what would be an example? Risk. An example would be um, smart contract risk. So for example, um, a common thing with, or not a common thing, but a handful of, of DeFi protocols have um, master keys that are usually held in multi-sig wallets that um, are in the hands of, a hand, of, of, of lead developers. 
Mm-hmm. Um, now, if those were keys were to get compromised, you could have a situation where assets are drained or, or, or the protocol is disrupted. Yep. Um, so that's, and you know, not all, all cryptos have that. Um, but it's just understanding those nuances and how that factors into the risk reward, um, thesis for a specific token, right. Mm-hmm. Or has this co- smart contract been audited? Um, those type of things. Uh, I think those are those are important things that you know your average investor is just not going to do, um, or even the average portfolio manager, right? Like for sure, they're not trained like they're not trained to do that as part of their fundamental analysis, right? Absolutely, that's the, yeah, that's one of the things that we've um, we've taken that responsibility to say, hey, we understand that there are things in this market and with these types of assets that. There is fundamental analysis. It's just very different. And you have yeah. to approach it differently. And you almost have to forget kind of what you've learned um, previously and in the traditional world to be able to even have the space and to be able to open up your mind to um, to see those types of things, right? Fundamentally understanding what the ownership stats mean with a token, how it was distributed, and what's the long-term plan. What's Again, well, I'll use this word tokenomics. Understanding the tokenomics of a project is very, very important to understanding, okay, is how is this gonna, gonna achieve value over the not just the short term, but the long term? Because prices are gonna do whatever they're gonna do. Right. But does the protocol have a fundamental value accrual um built into the their tokenomics? Right. And that's something you have to understand before you decide, even decide to allocate, right? To anything beyond those. Yeah. And and just people and you know. We haven't gotten ways to, yeah, like, for example, like a, a governance token, right? How do you mm-hmm. value a governance token in a world where a project can be forked? Mm-hmm. That, to me, is is a very complicated question. Um, and a lot of people have ideas on it. Um, but yeah, just things like that. I mean, just forking in general um, is so wild when you think of it from an investment standpoint. It would be like, you know, if, if Facebook just split in two, right? yeah. and you have Facebook A and Facebook B. Like how how would that affect the the stock price of, of Facebook, right? It's like those types of things like require deep deep thought, um, and and yeah, it's just it's some of the stuff that gets me really excited. Yeah, well, and real quick, explain like fork, like what what's what's that process like? What what does that even mean? Yeah, so since all of these protocols are open source, meaning that um, all of the the software and the code is is publicly available on the blockchain, not really owned by anyone. Uh, anyone can take that that um that code change it a little bit and then redeploy it and so you have a situation where if there is a protocol that is um taking rents unfairly for whatever reason Mm -hmm. um the users or outside developers could just take it and then remove those those rent taking um mechanics and then redeploy it so now if you're a coin holder of the original one and now there's a second one that people are moving to, you know, that could affect the value of your token. So just that fact there is, is, um, is pretty interesting. And so that's where I, one of the, the value accrual things that I look for is, is fork defensibility, um, right? Mm-hmm. So like Bitcoin, for example, has very strong fork defensibility in that it, is, um, it has basically a strong base of ideological users um, who and, and you saw this a handful of times in, in 2017 with the Bitcoin Bitcoin Cash fork. Um, what is yeah? Bitcoin? Hasn't it been forked already though? So so tell it us has. more about yeah. So it, it has been forked, um, but it, it really the question is, 
did the main fork and this this gets to um you know which one is the real bitcoin which is, is a <laughs> deep discussion and a, a lot of people did interesting things to try to determine that but in my opinion it's it's where did the majority of of the users go right and yep. you could look at the price to see that um and so bitcoin forked of course in 2017 to, to bitcoin and bitcoin cash um and in the end i mean based on what we've seen it looks like like bitcoin bitcoin cash did sort of failed i mean it's still around but uh, mm -hmm. bitcoin was really the winner there um and i think that but it, it didn't have to go that way right it could have gone a variety of different ways and i think the difference with that situation and we're getting a little technical here is that during that fork if you owned bitcoin before the fork you owned bitcoin and bitcoin cash. and bitcoin cash right yep right with a with a um, with a token who that is deployed on something like Ethereum, if that project forks, you don't necessarily you're, you're not necessarily going to be a token holder of the new project, mm -hmm. right? So there's different types of forks that need to be taken into account. Yeah, no, uh, I'm I'm happy to kind of peak curiosity, hopefully, with diving into something a little more technical here because uh, the goal of this show and this podcast is to really not just um, give people an understanding what's currently going on and and really from an advisory perspective, what to think about. Um, I think it's also, uh, we also want to help advisors along that adoption spectrum and for them to truly gain an understanding of how these are different, right? And how you can't just take old methodologies, old um, history, or old history, uh, I don't even know if that's a thing, um, but you can't take what's happened in history with traditional um, assets or markets and just blindly apply them to here and expect you to get um, uh, a good result. You may get a good result, but whether it's a it's a re, a real result will will uh, make itself known. And that's where fundamental analysis of these. While you can apply some traditional fundamental analysis things, like you know, obviously you can management, uh, you know, protocol management. Who's the team behind it? All that stuff. Right. Like, yeah, you can still do that, but it's very different how you evaluate how they manage it. It's not just looking at the balance sheet, looking at the business practices. Hey, are they doing good for shareholders? Blah blah blah. Are they are they getting a uh, good cash flow? Are they revenue? Are they investing enough into the business? Um, you know, what's their what's their future look like? All those things. Like you still do those things, but it's still very different um, here. And and I hope that listeners are gaining a better understanding of wow. Okay, there is a lot that's different here. And again, this all ties back to um, there's a lot more value that to an SMA offer than just getting an end portfolio of digital assets. Um, and whether it's Bitcoin only, Bitcoin, Ethereum, combination of those two, or whether you go further outside the spectrum uh, like we do, um, there are so much opportunity um, to capture. I mean, for us, you know, obviously we believe that there are many good faith, new blockchain decentralized protocols that are going to have a place in the world in five to 10 years. And our, our kind of investment thesis is we believe one to three percent of what's out there now will will make it and we there's going to be some dominant forces and we want to be there to help that and it's a lot like kind of where you come from which is like that venture capital early stage investing so um what i'd like to end off is kind of the last piece i'd love you to dive into a little bit like what are some simulators what have you learned um taking what you've experienced and where you've come from and uh, with the crypto markets and and building this uh, with blockchain and, and getting clients and advisors on, what what have you learned? What's like one big learning that you've had 
um, about the space? Yeah, I mean, I'd say that you know, th- there's there's definitely a lot of things, right? So so the way when I came into to blockchains and the way I built it was very much from the side of of the management of the portfolio, right? Because that mm-hmm. that was where my background was, right? Because I was I was assisting um, private equity firms with modeling out how they were going to to manage their investments, how are they going to determine to make new investments, um, you know? But I didn't have like the the soft knowledge of of the advisor landscape, so seeing that get applied to what they do with the tools that we built mm-hmm. um, was something that, that, you know, I've, I've learned a ton, um, you know, and I stay in constant communication with, with all of our clients um, taking their feedback uh, and incorporating that into combining that with, with what my vision and, and Dan's vision is for, for where we want to get to. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been really great on, on that end. And I think, um, you know, I think building tools, right. That, that work, not just for for the the advisor, but also um, flow down to um, the client as well, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, building tools that allow them to manage the portfolio better is good for the client. But um, you know, bringing the client on, giving show, giving them information um, about about things as well, um, I think is another important step that um, we're working on and building tools to do as well. Oh man, that's great! Yeah, and. You know, we've we've obviously had a wonderful experience with y'all, um, and just taking the feedback we give you, and I'm sure you're getting from all of your other advisors on the platform who are, who are actively engaging it, and just really continuing to to commit to building. Um, I know you guys aren't the only ones, but um, we feel very fortunate to um, have found you guys and uh, utilize you. So, um, what I'd like to do is kind of just tie this all up, right, and go back to kind of the where do you see yourself if you're listening to this on um, that advisor spectrum, that advisor adoption spectrum into crypto, whether you see yourself and, you know, we kind of break it down this way at Arbor Digital when we talk with advisors is, you know, there's the awareness space. That's that intellectual curiosity, right? Um, are you at that stage, right? Just become aware of things. You don't even have to know. You don't have to understand it yet. You don't have to go spend 17 hours getting educated. Are you even aware of, of what's happening, right? That's your first step. The second step, after you've really opened your mind, you have that intellectual curiosity. That's when you take that educational deep dive. When you, when you become intellectually curious, you will then want to actually take the educational deep dive. So that's really the second step we see. The third step we see then is when you start, once you take that educational deep dive, and this is what we get excited about, so much talent after you become curious. And then once you become intellectually honest, because when you start diving deep, you start to realize, oh, okay, I get why everyone else has been so excited about it and why we can't just dismiss this. We need to have a stance. Whether we allocate or not is a different story, but we at least need to have a plan to help people. And that gets into the third, right? That goes into that planning piece. Um, And then the last piece is really about uh, just executing that plan, right? And that's, that's, it's hard because there's so much. It's not just a simple, you know, get a portfolio, click the button, like, uh, if you wanted to go get a blue chip stock portfolio and have an SME manager manage it, it's, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a slower and easier process. There's no adoption curve there. Um, but yeah, so it sounds like you guys have seen something similar in terms of adoption curves and stuff like that. So whether you find yourself resonating on any part of that curve or what Griff went over, um, just reach, start reaching out to people. Um, so Griff, where, where can people find you? What's the website look like? Tell us, tell us where people should engage with you. Yeah. So uh, if you go on to uh, blockchange.ai, um, 
you can uh, see some of our offerings. Uh, we also have our, our SMA partners page on there that you'll be able to find uh, if you are interested in, in, in reaching out to one of our, our SMAs, um, or you can reach out to us directly if you're, if you're interested in doing it yourself. Um, but either way, yeah, blockchange.ai. Um, and we're, we're pretty active on, on LinkedIn um, and also on, on Twitter as well. Awesome. Uh, well, thanks. And yeah, please go reach out to them. Go look at if you're If you're an advisor doing due diligence at all and in that intellectual curiosity phase or in that phase of getting educated, uh, their SMA page is very important. There's a list of them there. We are on that page as Arbor Digital, but there are a slew of others who, again, very smart, very talented people who come from your world, who sit across from clients every day, just like we do. Um, me personally, I don't, but the other members of our team, we still sit across and advise clients on their traditional portfolios as well. So this, we can, we can coach you and walk you through um, the relationship process as well, which is another value uh, we provide. Um, but yeah, Griff, I really appreciate you taking the time today. Uh, I, I hope everyone got some value. I know I did. I, I, I love uh, jamming with you on these types of things. But again, thank you again for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks, Mark. All righty. Again, thank you all. And we'll talk to you soon. We appreciate you listening to this edition of the Asset Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Mark Nichols. Please don't forget to let us know how you like the show by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. For more downloadable digital asset resources and educational opportunities, please visit us at arbordigital.io. We are here to help you get off zero safely and securely. Thanks again for tuning in and be sure to tell someone you care about them. Cheers.